Hello, and welcome to the Ground and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Estenson-Williams. I'm a Minnesota-based marriage and family therapist, yoga teacher, and I create mental health content to help you ground and grow. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's begin. Hello. So before I begin, I just have to say that this is my second time starting this podcast episode. Um, I was luckily only like five-ish minutes in and my computer decided to just shut down on me. Um, Thankfully, I wasn't too far in because as we've got a little four-month-old at home, I am just grasping for moments that are quiet at home to be able to record my podcast episodes or get some work done. So uh, my husband is out with my little one right now, and I was like, oh, it's a great opportunity. And then I got that little like colorful spiral of death uh, mouse on my computer, and I was like, oh no, don't happen. But restarted fingers crossed that uh, it doesn't crash again. Who knows what's going on there? But hello, welcome to today's episode, take two. Uh, In this episode, I am going to talk about attachment trauma and not feeling good enough. So these are two things that I find to be really, uh, really connected. And if you're unfamiliar with attachment trauma, also called complex trauma or developmental trauma, I personally call it attachment trauma just to highlight the relationship uh, to attachment that this brings up, but commonly known as complex trauma or developmental trauma. If that's an unfamiliar term for you, I would go back to episode 39. So you can pause here, go back. It's just a handful of episodes And I talk a lot more about what attachment trauma is, what that can look like, some examples of it. I'll do a little like uh, brief catch up on what it is, but if it's super unfamiliar for you, I'd go back and listen to that one and then you can come back here and listen to this episode. But essentially, attachment trauma deals with wounds that are related to our attachment relationships. So these are commonly occurring in our early relationships, so maybe caregivers, parents, but it can also occur in other significant relationships. It might be um, with really close friends or partners, different areas there, but very commonly we see this in our development, right? So when we're growing up and learning who we are and learning how to relate to others, some of these wounds come out as trauma later in our life, um, in that moment too, but later on, we're usually doing that healing from it. And this is essentially like when these attachment figures aren't holding the space for us that we need. Sometimes it's a super unintentional and kind of like Um, I wouldn't say fully unavoidable, but maybe depending on the caregiver's like knowledge of different pieces um, and knowledge about mental health might be a little unavoidable in that moment uh, if there's like a mismatch on how you feel emotions. So a common example might be a caregiver who doesn't feel emotions super, super deeply. They're maybe a little more like go with the flow and um, kind of ride things out super easily. Whereas maybe the child is a deeply feeling human and the caregiver might not know how to hold space for that. And so when they respond to it, it might feel really invalidating, um, really hurtful and harmful. 
And I think a lot of the time um, we see attachment trauma as something that's really common nowadays because typical parenting styles kind of taught parents to uh, sometimes cause these attachment wounds. So I don't want to blame parents out there. If, if you're looking at attachment trauma and you're like, oh my gosh, like I did this. I didn't hold space for my kiddo in the right way. Like pause for a moment. It's okay. Like you were probably doing the best that you could and using the knowledge and information that you had. Thankfully, As time goes on, we continue to research and learn more about how to parent and how to hold space for others and things like that. And so my hope is that in the future we see a lot less attachment trauma. But right now, for adults, it's a really common experience. Um, And it's something that I specialize in because I saw how prevalent and how important working on these trauma pieces are. Previously, before going into the specialty, I worked a lot with anxiety and perfectionism and life transitions, and I do a lot of that now. That's still an area that I love working in, but I saw in, you know, in so many of my clients that the root of what they were experiencing actually came from these wounds from childhood or from other really important relationships. And I loved digging into that, unpacking it, and helping clients to reframe and, and reconnect to their self-worth. And, and so that's why I was like, wait, like this is a thing that we can do, right? We can focus on um, this trauma and the many different ways that it manifests and shows up for us. Um, so yeah, it, I would say in my experience with clients, I I really want to say probably every single client, but I'm not going to be all or none like that. I'll say most of my clients uh, who have these wounds from childhood experience some difficulties with self-worth. And that is because these wounds can make it really hard to hold space for ourselves because we weren't really taught that we could have space held for us in childhood or or in important relationships. And so self-worth feels like a tricky thing. And I think an important note in this is that humans are inherently social beings. So unlike um, sea turtles, for example, right? So sea turtles, they Uh, hatch out of their cute little eggs and then they you know waddle down to the ocean and they live their life right they don't need other turtles to survive right they're not grouping up with their parents or their siblings or finding a community they do their thing Uh, so they are not necessarily social creatures they can survive without other turtles humans are not like that we need other humans to survive And in today's day, right, where we um, can live a lot more independently because we have stores where we can buy groceries and we can, you know, buy stuff online that we need. Um, There's a lot of ways that we have maybe separated from our reliance on other humans. But just take it back to early humans. We needed our community to survive. We needed our parents. We needed our, you know, our neighbors and all of that to share goods, right? Share food and share childcare and all of these different pieces. So 
even though our world looks really different than it did at that point, our brains haven't changed so much. Like we still need humans. And this is so evident in right looking at a human baby, right? They need constant focus and attention and uh, nurturing to survive, not only just emotionally, but physically to survive. And through childhood and, you know, in these caregiver relationships, that is where we learn how to experience the world. That's where we learn about ourself, right? The way we learn how we treat ourselves is really mirrored on how our attachment figures treat us because that can be the only thing. So a lot of times in working with clients, um, I might, you know, question some of the beliefs that they hold for themselves. And sometimes it can be really hard. Sometimes it is really tough to sink in because they have really created their worldview around how their parents held space for them. And if their parent was really invalidating of their emotions, they grew up thinking it's normal to invalidate their emotions. They probably even think that it's healthy and it's the right thing to do. And now as an adult, they think that that is the way that they should live, right? It doesn't feel like they can treat their self in any other way because that that almost feels more abnormal, right? So we view our world and ourselves through the lens of our attachment figures from a young age. So we can see how important those experiences are. And if there is some wounding or some mismatch that the space isn't being held for us in the way that we need, here's where trauma comes in, right? I know sometimes like trauma is kind of a, a buzzword right now and it can maybe feel it can maybe feel overused, but I just want to point out like how broad the definition can be, right? So trauma doesn't necessarily mean someone intended to cause you harm. Sometimes that is the case, right? And it's important to hold space for that if that is the case. But sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, this, this happened to me and I can view it as trauma because it's still impacting me years later and it's making it hard for me to view my world and myself in ways that feel actually supportive for me. Um, hold space for that, right? Even if your parents tried their best and maybe you look at your parents and you're like, they're the best parents in the world and oh, like there was a lot of invalidation in my household or there was a lot of uh, pushing me to be perfect, and now that's having some negative impacts, right? Doesn't mean your parents are bad people, but it does mean you might need some healing and some reparenting for yourself. And some common wounds that come up with attachment trauma is going to be this chronic invalidation. So this is, again, you know, some of the the parent narrative around like, oh, you're fine. Like, just get up and keep going. Don't worry about it. Um, stop crying. Stop, you know, getting so upset. This can also be, right, when we look at um, how punishment used to look like, right? Like, it might have been a spanking or it might have been a timeout or go to your room by yourself. There was kind of this, this teaching of, okay, if you're experiencing a tough emotion, if you're dysregulated and you don't know what to do, you need to deal with that by yourself, right? We're not going to necessarily sit and talk it through and, and help you understand it. So chronic invalidation 
leaves us feeling that, okay, I shouldn't have these emotions. And my experience isn't worthy of being held by someone else. Okay. Um, it can also be regular criticisms. And again, the intention might have just been to, to push you to be your best um, or different pieces. Not always, right? Sometimes a, a criticism does come from a really dark and painful place. And, and, you know, really, regardless of where it comes from, the impact can still be the same. And so regular criticisms, right, leave us feeling like, okay, if I didn't do this perfectly, um, if I didn't do this how someone else wanted me to, then I'm not good enough, right? I'm not worthy of being appreciated in this moment unless I'm perfect. This can also come from someone pushing you to, you know, have these really high expectations. So it might be grades in school. Um, it might be how you show up with household chores or different things, or it might show up in how you're holding space for others, right? Sometimes um, our own needs get pushed down because our parents or our significant others or whoever uh, maybe want us to kind of be people pleasers, whether it be for them or for other people, to just focus on others instead of ourself. Right, so all of these different pieces can leave us feeling disconnected to this like just authentic need for acceptance. This this really general feeling of self worth. Right, we question our worth. Hey, maybe maybe I'm not worth being comforted if I'm having a tough emotion. Maybe. I'm not as acceptable if I didn't do this task perfectly. Maybe I'm not good enough if I'm not doing what other people want me to do. So this teaches us to disconnect it, disconnect to our own self and our own needs, and it can make us really invalidate our own desire for self-worth, self-care, all of these pieces, right? So... Now, it makes a lot of sense as we see like what these wounds tend to look like and how they can impact us. Of course, if we have any level of attachment trauma, we might be struggling with self-worth. And in my next episode, I'm going to talk more about what we can do with that, right? How we can work on healing and repairing the specific self-worth pieces, um, but I would say just starting off, if you're listening to this and you're like, yep, that's me, that's my experience, here's just a moment to maybe just pause and reflect and hold space for that, right? And I know I've kind of said this uh, in a lot of different ways throughout this episode, but if you struggle to hold space for it because you maybe feel protective of the people who caused the attachment trauma... Remember that two things can be true, right? Your caregivers or attachment figures might not have been the worst people in the world. Maybe they're wonderful, lovely people. Um, maybe they deserve healing themselves. Maybe all of these things can be true and it can also have impacted you, right? So you can still work on healing yourself even if you are not um, needing someone else to like make amends or different pieces. 
And and as I'm, I know I'm saying this a lot, um, and I don't want to discount the fact that there are a lot of times that people have attachment wounds from places where maybe parents were really intentional with it or they were really neglectful with things. And so I'm not trying to invalidate how heavy that can feel either, right? That is totally like an experience that happens. um, And I don't want to take away the importance of that. Um, But I am just repeating it a lot because I know a lot of my clients struggle to even start working on their attachment trauma because there is this piece that maybe wants to protect uh, parents, caregivers, or, or other figures in their life. So I, I just really wanted to highlight that in this episode in case you're struggling with recognizing your attachment trauma because your parents are good people. Um, so all of the things can be true is, is how I want to leave with that. And um, if, if you haven't listened to my earlier episodes on attachment trauma, so I already highlighted episode 39 that just talked about attachment trauma. Maybe you've already listened to it and you've come back to this. Uh, but the next episode after that was episode 40. And in that one, I talk about some general things that we can do around healing attachment trauma. So if you haven't listened to that one either, you might listen to that next because um, I know it'll be a couple of weeks before my episode on healing the self-worth pieces on attachment trauma will come out. But that episode will definitely be helpful just in figuring out like, okay, where do I start? Or what are some things I can do here? I'll talk about some of those in the next episode, but mainly the next episode will be talking about healing specifically related to self-worth. So uh, all of these episodes go together really well, even though there's some, some space in between them. And yeah, that is all I have to talk about in this one. And I will look forward to talking with you in the next episode around how we can reconnect to these feelings of self-worth when we have experienced some attachment trauma. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If I referenced any links in this episode, you can find them below in the show notes. If you like the Ground and Grow podcast, I would greatly appreciate a rate and review from wherever you're listening so that others can find us too. If you'd like to be the first to know when new episodes are coming out, you can subscribe as well as follow me on Instagram at Kayla Estenson Wellness for all updates. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.